Okay, welcome to the latest episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. Um, we have decided to come back after a much shorter break than that between our last and last episode and the one before that. I think we um, we were on about two weeks ago, just after we beat Leeds, the, the morning after, I think. And since then, we've had a couple of games, but here's the catch, and this is why this episode is going to be slightly different from the one from the ones that have preceded it. I haven't been able to watch either of the games because um, things have been quite hectic in real life. But but don't worry, luckily Jimmy has. So we thought it would be interesting to kind of present this episode of the podcast as a debate or just a just a presentation of two different perspectives to see whether to see uh, whether we converge since I am someone who has only watched Chelsea going what two months unbeaten in the league and beating Leeds United very comprehensively and Jimmy is someone who has watched Chelsea lose two games consecutively so <laughs> um, that there is there will be some palpable discord amongst our perspectives pun completely intended and let's uh, let's see where that takes us then so Hello and welcome to this episode of the podcast, Jimmy. Uh, hi, Ram. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, it, it will certainly be an interesting debate from that perspective. Uh, whether I was lucky to watch these two matches, luckily enough. Uh, yeah, well, that's debatable <laughs> after the performances, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it's nothing that we haven't seen before. Uh, in this under new this new management and um, yeah we'll just we have to get into it. We predicted predicted that Everton wouldn't be very easy, didn't we? It's always we did. uh, going to Goodison is always quite tricky, I suppose. Mm, yeah, that's that's why you know predicting that it was going to be a tough encounter against Everton was I don't want to say easy, but it mm. was kind of uh, what could definitely reckoned that that was going to happen uh, so it was no no surprise but you know it's 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 a weird it's a weird thing because initially i thought that um yesterday's game uh was uh was a better game mm-hmm. um and then the everton one where we said okay we were actually creating chances and all that we scored mm-hmm. but in retrospect, seeing how we've completely collapsed yesterday, mm-hmm. I'm not sure about it anymore. I, you know, both were terrible in their own ways, and both showed sides to uh, our game, which is very, very reminiscent of last season. The absolute ineptitude to score, just. Uh-huh toothlessness you know where you say oh my god what 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 has really changed we've brought in so so many players um which are supposed to be helping us uh, score more goals who are supposed to be more clinical and that's just not really doing it for us in these last two games but it's not surprising that this has happened since Hakim Ziyech got injured and while you'll say, well, it 
that just just can't be the case that one player gets injured and you know we yeah. don't score anymore. But in the games that Ziyech did play, we scored 19 goals. Over the, I think I saw a statistic: seven games he played, we scored 19, 19 goals. Wow. Yeah, and since he has been injured, we scored two or three. So the point is. <laughs> While it shouldn't be the case that mm-hmm. our goal drought at the moment is yeah. down to one man, mm-hmm. it, there's a very good argument to be made that it is. And that just cannot be the case. For us to be competing uh, for the highest honours, uh, for the top honours in both domestic and European competitions, we need to be able to have a player get injured and cope with it appropriately. And I will give fault to the Chelsea board for this to a certain extent because from the start, and I know that I'm not alone in this, I was always of the opinion that free wingers isn't enough. Mm -hmm. Especially as Hakim Ziyech had come back from, from injury. He had had some injuries at Ajax now and again. Callum Hudson Adoy, we know, had a terrible injury. Um, yeah. Under Sari, and then also always niggles. You know, Christian Pulisic has an injury history for Dortmund. Going into the season with merely three wingers, and um, and all of them are having an injury history, just because one says, "Well, we've got Timo Werner now; he can play on the wing," is. If that really is the explanation, then that is extremely, extremely terrible scouting by Chelsea because you'd expect them to have extensive scouting reports. And even me, as someone who does watch the Bundesliga and has watched quite a few games of Timo Werner, um, everyone knew that this... That, that Timo Werner isn't the kind of guy who is a natural winger that will cut inside like uh, Christian Pulisic will take on loads of players and I'm gonna you know let's barring the Newcastle game yeah. where he scored that great goal but he had loads of space there you know mm-hmm. if you have um, teams like Everton and Wolverhampton that sit back mm-hmm. in a very very solid in very solid ranks He's not going to have a chance, and we saw that yesterday. He misplaced the part, uh, the the ball. Yeah, I I couldn't even count two hands how often he misplaced the ball alone in that second half. It's it was it was absolutely atrocious. That was without a doubt his worst performance in the Chelsea shirt. Interesting. And um, his goals have dried up. You know, he's seems that a per uh, that a player who never really loses confidence has to a certain extent lost confidence um we talked about him getting leagues. into positions with very good mm. movement last time i think yep. i i recall so yep. has this been the case over the last no. few games no okay not at all and that is a problem because everton and wolverhampton that way well, has to be said they set up very well against us and frank lampard and you know Everyone say don't get on his back. And it's only been two defeats, and that's true. But what has been illustrated here is that the same problem persists, which I, on numerous occasions, uh, addressed last year, but no one wanted to hear it. 
And I, we doesn't we don't have to be overly critical, Frank Lampard, because you know he's a young man who still has a lot to learn. Of course, I'm not on the Lampard out brigade. You know, this is a project which needs time, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But he has no plan B. Lampard has the ability to put in subs, which I personally think are often too late. David, uh, for example, in his post-match reaction, noticed as much as well, yeah. and many others. He just has a tendency to react too late with mm-hmm. subs. And just basically, tactically, he doesn't really know how to adjust in-game. If a, if, a, if a team, for example, starts to click the opposing team as it was yesterday, um, many were in favor of us starting with back three. I understand why he wanted to stick with the 4-3-3 because that is our formation for now, and I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um but once the game uh, commenced and they had uh, equalized, yeah, we were shaken. We we, we were shell shocked a bit. Ever uh, Everton, sorry, Fate, uh, Wolves gained confidence. Their game plan started to work again, and even more so than in the first half. And we just had no answer to it. And something had to be done tactically. I'm not mm-hmm. even saying formation-wise, but something had to be done. For example, and this is something where I was furious with Frank Lampard, and I'm sorry that this is a monologue, but as I know that you can watch it, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll end it with this mm-hmm. uh, before you say have your say, um, which I was furious with Frank Lampard, was that he refused to put Christian Pulisic back on the left wing. Okay. At the start of the game... It was kind of a mix. Uh, Re- Timo Werner started on the right. Pulisic started on the left. Then they interchanged. Why? Sometimes. Just, I don't... Why? Why did Timo Werner start I, on the right? <laughs> in all honesty, um, when Timo Werner has started on the wing, he's been uh-huh. marginally effective at best. When he yeah. has a lot of space, it can work because he just plays a bit more inverted in at the in, inside and beside the striker but out wide he doesn't have the technique really that's not his forte you know i'm not even going to fault him for that that's not his forte he's not a guy who will dribble past a players who is technically sound and has that kind of trickery and can manipulate the ball as christian pulisic does or even has our before more callum hudson toy doesn't matter that's not Werner's a game yeah and as such, for example, yesterday, you could have put him on left or right. It doesn't matter. He wouldn't have been effective. It would have I been saw better. his touch map. I, yeah. I mean, listen, when, when we talked about Werner potentially playing alongside Tammy Abraham at the start of the season, mm. you resumed that maybe if Chelsea were playing a 4-3-3, it might be very asymmetrical. And maybe if Werner were playing on the left, then he'd play as almost as a second striker on the left yeah. with Abraham in the middle and someone uh, on the right. So I, I looked at Werner's touch map yesterday. Obviously, I didn't watch the game, but his touch map, which gives you a pretty clear indication of where the player is at least receiving the ball, was it was very very wide. So he's he was basically playing as a winger, wasn't he? He wasn't even exactly. playing as a as an inside forward. Exactly, and he was basically asked to constantly put in crosses. Uh, that was mm. what our plan wow. was. Um, it was just crossing the ball into the penalty box, uh, which Reese James, for one, did very well. But yeah. then again, Giroud, as good as he is in the air, and he really is a beast, 
Against three central defenders, you're going to have a difficult time, especially as physical as doesn't matter whether it's the Everton game or the Wolves game. It was the same story. They mm -hmm. all have very physical and um, airily um, well-playing centre-backs. He's going to have it very, very difficult. And that was basically our, our only approach to these games, and we didn't change it. And that was highly infuriating. I still understood it more against Everton because we didn't have Christian Pulisic. Yeah. But... The most dangerous situations we had yesterday was when Christian Pulisic was able to do do his thing, basically, you know, bring a bit of magic to the game by cutting inside and taking on uh, the Wolves players on the, from the left. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, Lafranc Lampard thought that it's not good to have one really good winger, which is doing effectively everything, while the other one on the right, Timo Werner, was doing nothing. He was just working back. That was it. Uh -huh. uh, and even that, that, he was, I think, who was it? Thiago Silva was screaming at him yesterday because he, he just ball-watched. You know, and that yes. led to a chance. And Thiago Silva, uh, hats off to him. He didn't deserve that yesterday. He was doing very well. There's no fault at all, actually, to our defence. I thought... Generally, you know, um, our fullbacks were problematic because they were just bombing forward and they it was difficult for them to come back and that left us open. But mm -hmm. our central defenders, there was no fault there yesterday for both goals, if you ask me. Not really, at least, especially not Thiago Silva. Yeah, so, I mean, the second one was kind yeah. of a... The second one was after we we had thrown basically everybody forward. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, I mean, fair enough. Do you... But sorry, just just to to end that. Um, oh no, go on. Go on. Yeah. So just just to end this because I, I've been blubber, blubbering on. He instead of letting mm -hmm. Christian Pulisic be at hundred percent efficiency on the left, he basically and you know Timo Werner like ten percent on the right. He took both down. So Timo Werner was like at forty percent maybe, at, if at all, and it just went completely down in the second half where he was really, really bad. But also tore down to Pulisic because on the right, he's just not as effective. You know, he can put in some crosses, but that wasn't really effective. He can't take on the players uh, as he does from the uh, from the left. And so both were ineffective by that. And he just did not let them switch back. And many Chelsea fans were highly irritated by this including myself and I, I i don't understand it and that's one of those problems with frank lampard where he's very rigid and stubborn he is stubborn you know that's what made him a great player he's a stubbornness to not give up and all that but it is can also as a manager that can cost him mm -hmm. and when he saw this in the last two games and that's one of the faults that i will put to frank lampard uh because that was not only on the players we just set up completely wrong. And mm. it's, you know, just, just the, uh, this, 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 how shall I say, square peg in a round hole, basically. You know, it's, yeah, out of position of the players, and that, that was a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Makes, and on the striker, do you think it was, uh, um, obviously, Tammy Abraham has caused Wolves problems before, and their defensive personnel is 
give the same uh, every mm. year. Central. Do you think this was a game for Giroud to have started, or do you think Abraham was so bad against Everton that he definitely didn't deserve to start here? Because <sighs> um, I don't know. It, it seemed like Lampard just made a very safe call of starting Giroud, whereas maybe he could have taken a risk with Abraham starting. I'm not sure, though. Where, where, where do you think it went wrong for Giroud against Wolves? Yeah, that, that's... He wasn't very effective. I mean, apart mm, from the goal. That's a very good question. I mean, as you said, the goal basically gives him right, you know, because he, he scored. He opened score with a really, really good finish. And um, that will, mm. you know, it, it shows that Lampard was right to start him because he scored our only goal in the... Or a second goal in three games that that is not a good number if you compare it to how we started so Giroud has been um continually scoring his statistics uh they, they were talking about it yesterday during the game just show why you want to continue starting him but the problem is of course that yesterday and against Everton they were packing those 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 boxings of you know the the, the opponents they were packing their Boxes with all, all the necessary players, and they just didn't give Jiro a chance. You know, Jiro had a very, very tough time to make something out of very little, and that's why you know that he was even able to convert that goal. That was that was very good movement, mm-hmm. did very well. Good cross in by Ben Chilwell, who otherwise wasn't too good yesterday, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, the thing is. People, of course, in hindsight, everyone was saying, oh, that's why we need to Emmy Abraham. And, for example, I read on, on Twitter, Nini, who I'm uh, quite fond of, very nice guy, was saying, you know, that's why we need Tammy Abraham. I just don't think that Tammy Abraham would have made much of a difference. Yes, he was good against Wolves last season where he scored his hat-trick. But the way we played yesterday and the lack of service that was on the field and mm-hmm. just this, this lack of width that we had, I'm not sure if that would have helped much because Wolves had a very clear game plan and it was countering our play and basically had no space. And Tammy Abraham without space to run into is an ineffective Tammy Abraham. Um, he's not strong enough. If, if Giroud isn't able with his strength to go up against those three central defenders, how the hell is Tammy Abraham supposed to do it? Especially right now with his form where he's compl- all the time he's falling over. Uh, he's trying his best. I'm not. I'm really not going to fault him for his lack of uh, for a lack of effort. Yeah, he does. He's trying everything and he's working his socks off. That's something that Tammy Abraham always brings to the table, and which what well, I love him for. But he's just not effective. Mm-hmm. Once again, his confidence has been uh, bumped to a certain extent, and he's. I, I don't think it would have made a difference. And he did have a reasonable portion of the game yesterday to play for and it was 20 minutes yes he was only subbed in it's a difficult situation to come into but he had 20 minutes or so to make a difference to put his mark on the game and he didn't so I don't quite see how that would have made a difference to start him at least Giroud got us a goal and just to remind everyone Wolves yesterday they had the much better chances than us in, in the first half you know I know Zuma put that header against a crossbar but otherwise they were the threatening team although they were always on on the the back foot 
we were the ones in possession, but they were counter-attacking us and it worked. And that is something that we don't do anymore, for example. Uh, we don't counter-attack. We don't try and go through the middle, at least not with the players that we have you know, in behind, uh, running the channels, which would have been difficult yesterday one way or another. But we just don't have a plan B right now, which is concerning. So I don't think that Tammy Abraham would have made a big difference. I'm a very big advocate of Olivier Giroud. Anyone who reads my predicted lineup uh, articles will know that. And yeah. being a proponent of him, I think it was the right decision to start him. Um, but I'm not sure if it made sense to take him off. I would have actually, as you said, I would have probably gone with a 4-4-2. I would have mm -hmm. switched formation during the game have Tammy Abraham and Giroud play off each other because Absolutely. you have three central defenders there give them mm. more troubles we didn't we were not we were not going to cause them any troubles from the wings so what's the point you know we could have our fullbacks bomb forward as it was yeah. put in crosses and we'd have two bodies in that box that would cause them problems and uh, I mean Timo Werner had to come off you know that that was you know, that was obvious. And I would have taken him off for Tammy Abraham. And, um, well, I'm not sure who I would have played on the right, to be honest. Maybe I would have left... Kai, Kai Havertz was invisible yesterday, I know. But maybe I would have left him on uh, to play on that right midfield position. Here's what I'm thinking. Mm. Do you think it would be completely infeasible for Lampard to have, like, a diamond formation as his... I don't know, one of his switches, because I feel as if, mm. given given the nature of our wingers being quite injury-prone, especially Pulisic, and, I mean, I, I guess all of them, really. You, you can't really single out one of them and say that this guy is going to be available for 35 games throughout the season. Yeah. They're, all, they're all picking up knocks now and then. So given the nature of things and given uh, how Lampard has played with midfielders in these wide roles before... Do you not think that maybe it's kind of on Lampard to not have a diamond or something on, I don't know, as, as a backup? Because speed dial. <laughs> yeah, on speed dial, exactly. So I feel, I feel as if it suits our squad. For example, yesterday, if um, he had played uh, Kante as a six and then uh, Kovacic and Mount as the two central midfielders and Mount and then Havertz as the ten which is probably where he's best, mm. and probably Abraham and or Abraham and one or Giroud and one are playing off each other. It it just uh, I'm not, not not to get too football manager on this whole thing, but it just looks as if or sounds as if it would work very well in principle, um, especially given the way Wolves set up and yeah, uh, we seem to have we we had like three central midfielders on the bench yesterday. Including Billy Gilmore and uh, Jorginho and Tino uh, Angelin wasn't on the bench yesterday, but um, yeah, especially in situations like these, I guess it ties into your point with uh, Lampard not really having a plan B, and without Ziek going by what you've said, we look we look pretty handicapped, and according to, to the numbers as well, I read that we only created a point two or point three expected goals from open play in the entire match, which is pretty bad. Not not good at all. So that that is worrying, I guess. It I don't know, it seemed as if when we played Burnley, right? 
um Chelsea seem to have some pretty solid att- attacking patterns into place you know the wide the midfielders were dropping wide and creating overloads and uh Ziyech was quite important there but we had attacking patterns would you say that our attacking patterns outside of just crossing into the box have been completely missing over these last two games before i answer that we'll just quickly take a short break and we are back um sorry for abruptly go into that break but uh now i will give you of course my answer ram um and it's pretty easy and short yes yes we definitely missed Ziyech because one of the things that has been missing for years now and this is already before lampard long before lampard um is our inability to unlock tightly packed defenses very deep lying banks of four or five uh we just had no feasible plan for this kind of scenario and that was already under sari that was also under conte to a certain extent because when we were the ones to make have to um be the ones attacking and they were the slow block deep lying play we we had no answer and while we had Cesc Fabregas back then to unlock defenses, I just feel as if he wasn't as dynamic enough to do that on certain ex- uh, occasions. And um, talent-wise, I feel like our squad wasn't as talented as it is now. Right now, we have a very, very incredibly talented squad uh, that makes me really excited. Not as much back then because there there were problems there, but... Uh, and it wasn't this vibe. Of course, we had Eden Hazard, but he also had his vices, you know, always holding onto the ball maybe too long, not taking the shot. And um, he didn't have that eye that Hakim Ziyech has. So as you said against Burnley and already before that, that those crosses where you think he doesn't care. Yeah, I'm just going to try this. And more often than not, it comes off. That is something we very much miss. If there's any player in our squad right now that is able to unlock defences as it was against Everton and uh, Wolves, then it was going to be Hakim Ziyech. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can debate about whether him being there would have changed much, but I'm pretty sure we would have had the better numbers attacking-wise than we did. That is, without a doubt, the case. So, yeah. it's, you know... In in hindsight, everything's easier to elaborate on. Um, but as long as he's missing, we have problems. Thankfully, there's only one more game before Hakim Ziyech and Callum hudson as well should be back. Mm-hmm. People were saying we shouldn't rush them back. I agree, but then again, what choices do we have? <laughs> if we're going to continue playing as we did the last two games, then we need them back ASAP. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about that, and especially against Arsenal, you know they are wounded at the moment. Uh, they are in disarray. But if there's one game that they probably uh, want to win and uh, smell a chance, it's going to be against us. If we also, let's say, not get a good result against West Ham, because then we're in the not in the similar situation because they're way on the other side of the spectrum of this Premier League table. But, you know, they'll sniff a chance. So we need him there to pick those passes to unlock Werner, you know. 
this is for me this is undoubtedly the case if we want to play wing uh Werner on the wing which i really am against the same as with kai havertz then we need him to be able to play closer to the striker and therefore be able to make the runs uh after hakim ziyech picks out a pass yeah. without that that's not going to happen reese james can't do that um thinking from that right side Christian Pulisic isn't that kind of player who will see that it makes those passes and definitely not um no, no there's no reason to actually list everyone there's no player that can do that <laughs> no uh, not maybe Mason Mount but he plays on the left side of those that three man midfield so he's not going to be doing that mm-hmm. um and I don't want him to change switch position. He's doing very well there, so leave him there. I don't know how people said he had a very bad game yesterday. I thought he was okay. He wasn't wasn't exceptional, but the whole team wasn't. So, yeah. you know, I, I thought he wasn't at fault for much. He, he did well, uh, just in comparison to the others. Um, so, yeah, I, I think without Hakim Ziyech, we have a problem. That's why in January... For me, the of the utmost priority is is a attacking option, um, mm. a winger. We need that fourth winger because putting it, you know, throwing Tino Livramento is maybe a bit too much. He's too early. We do have Andrew in, and I don't understand why he didn't utilize him. We were crying out for some attacking output yesterday. Yes, Andrew in isn't. He wasn't even on the bench, was he? He wasn't, and he wasn't in the playing for the development squads either. So I'm not quite sure, sure. what was going on there. Mm. Um, yeah, I, it's 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 tricky. It's it's very very tricky, and as such, it's <laughs> bit bit tricky to know what went through Lampard's head there. But okay, that maybe there's a plausible reason why he wasn't in the squad, and sure one can argue he might not have made a di- uh, difference, but. We were crying out for some kind of attacking output, and he was the only player to really bring it because Tammy Abraham has said, I don't think it would have made a difference if he had started or not. So, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, we need a winger. We, we need, definitely need a winger. It's even more important than bringing in Declan Rice. Uh, I, I don't think we actually need with Billy Gilmer coming back. Yeah, Declan I don't Rice think we do the summer. Yeah, because Yolo yeah. Kante, people were crying out for him because we didn't know how if Kante would get back to his best. Yeah, we were potentially stuck with Jorginho for a while, so I can exactly. understand. Yeah, and now we can see Kante. He's been injury free compared mm-hmm. to last season, which is important. But even more so, I mean, if there's one player that, say, from Grace was yesterday, yesterday was was Angolo Kante, and against Everton. The guy was everywhere, making important passes. Uh, well, yeah, actually important passes, but interceptions. He was the Kante twins, as we know them, and you know, in, made, in jest, of course, uh, lovingly referred to in in the early days of his his career at Chelsea. So, as such, I don't think that we need Declan Rice in January. It'd be incredibly difficult to prime away from uh, West Ham anyway mm-hmm. um, in January want their best player credible sums I'm pretty sure they won't pay that so nothing will happen before the summer and I hope they know that and don't 
go down that cul-de-sac and then you know at the end of january oh well now we should concentrate on the on an attacking option we need an attacking option as soon as that window opens like in the first week we need to sign someone if, if that's on loan fine by me i don't care but it just has to be someone that brings in the body yeah uh, so quantity is important just as a natural winger you know if he's not the most prolific of course that's not good that's why he'd be loaned I, I can't tell you any names but we need someone that gives us natural width because it's not happening with Timo Werner and Kai Havertz they're wasted in those positions they look uncomfortable they continually lose the ball and they just frustrate everyone including themselves probably mm, makes sense makes sense and yeah, well just, just before we kind of round off our discussion on these two games uh, do you think it is now a major worry that we haven't beaten a side in the top half yet. If that statistic is correct, which I think it is. Yeah. We haven't we've it we've is. picked up a draw against Spurs. Um we have Man lost, United. Yeah, Man United. But Lampard has gone into those games looking to not lose, basically. But in mm. these games against teams like Everton and Wolves, we haven't been able to I mean we've lost and these are these are teams that do not play a remotely close style of football to someone like Leeds or Liverpool or something like that, which we seem uh, naturally more suited to. So, I, I don't know. Is it uh, is it something that we've overlooked with Chelsea comfortably dispatching sides in the bottom half for all these weeks? Are we are we overlooking the fact that we haven't beaten anyone in the top half yet? And if yes, then how how worrying do you think that is? Because it's not something that I thought about much before before these two games. And I didn't even have to watch these two games to realize that, okay, this could potentially be quite worrying. So I don't know. When you, in order to have a successful league campaign, you obviously have to win the matches that you're supposed to win. So you're supposed to win the matches against teams in the lower half. But when it comes to teams in the top half, it seems like Lampard is trying to not lose against the top six and is simply not able to win against sides in general in the top half. So, yeah, is this is this like a really big red flag or are we okay with waiting it out for a while, do you think? Well, um, you know, in, in this league, any win you get against yeah. any opposition is important. Saying that, ah, oh, we only won against bottom half teams is nice but we can see with the recent results Fulham getting uh, taking some points off uh, Liverpool if I'm not mistaken and then Tottenham also being held to a draw yesterday West Brom holding City it's not that easy anymore every team in this league has money has good players which other leagues like for example the Liga or Uber Eats Liga <laughs> would you know they, they'd be desperate for you cannot compare that. Thus, it's much more competitive, and which makes it such an attractive league and the best in the world is that anyone can beat anybody. Yeah, especially this year. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it is concerning that we haven't won against um, some top teams. Then mm-hmm. again, we played. If I'm not mistaken, we the ones that we drew in Tottenham and 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 Man United were both away or one was away or something like that because 
that for me, drawing away against the top team is fine. Absolutely. Because that's what Jose Mourinho always said, draw away and mm-hmm. win at home. So yeah. uh, I don't see that as a problem. But um, of course, you know, that 3-3 against, against Southampton, which is a in form, one of the most informed teams in the league right now, that mm-hmm. is very concerning. Yeah, and it, it, is, it is concerning. Well, very concerning. It is concerning that we haven't been winning against the top teams. Then again, we won against Sevilla. Uh, we drew against Sevilla. It's, <laughs> I don't think that that statistic can be um, taken into account 100% because mm-hmm. it also includes results that happened early on in the season where the team was still gelling. Now it's been injury hit. There will always be things that come yeah. in between. But, you know, there's there's a lot more to it than just saying, ah, oh, these are the results. Ah, oh, well, we haven't won against the top team yet. And, of course, a lot of people on Twitter and that will be, you know, making fun of us. But then again, no top team at the moment is able to really make fun of me the other because Manchester mm-hmm. United fans have nothing to laugh about. Liverpool fans are uh, not really in the best of mood either. Man City fans, not at all. So, you know, we're all in one boat in this respect. And yeah. yes, we haven't been winning against the top, top teams, but that will come. You know, last season we had uh, good results against top teams. It's just a matter of time and we just need a finishing product here, which is missing because if we would have scored more in these these last two games even if we conceded you know if if for example Everton would have been a draw 2-2 or yesterday would have been a draw uh, where we at least created really good goal scoring opportunities then we would rue those chances but I think it would have been a bit more relaxed because we we could be seeing we're still playing as we have. We just had some bad results, but the way we've been losing these last two games is what is making people so anxious because mm-hmm. it's just completely different to what we've shown otherwise this season. Even when we still we were still gelling as a team, yeah. So it's this reverting back to old patterns, which is for me the most worrying thing. And I just hope that we get out of this spiral as soon as possible best be to have a reaction on monday against west ham um but without our flair attacking players which can actually play as wingers i'm not sure we can so yeah it's it's difficult it's difficult to say um i don't think that it has to be indicative of how our season will be going uh, mm-hmm. that that we haven't won against the top teams but it's something to keep an eye on for sure yeah, fair enough. So with that, I suppose we don't we end our discussion on these two matches that have just elapsed. And before we preview Chelsea's next game, a short note on a recent managerial appointment in the Premier League, which harkens back to times of old. And it's like it's like time is a flat circle in the Premier League, really. Teams come up from the championship. Some of them struggle. They then sack their managers halfway through the season and then they either appoint Alan Pardew, Tony Pulis or Sam Allardyce. <laughs> and that has happened again with West Brom and Chalbion, who are uh, actually a team quite full of flair. Players like Matheus Pereira, Kravinovic, Tiangana, all these very, very skillful players. And... 
Sam Allardyce is coming now, and why we're talking about West Brom is they have a Chelsea, Loney, Conor Gallagher playing for them. And up until now, Gallagher, ever since I think the first match he's been available for, he's been an automatic starter. He is uh, undisputedly their most dynamic midfielder. So I, I won't say he's their best midfielder defensively or offensively, because they've got someone like Matheus Pereira, who is a pretty exceptional talent, and they've got Jake Livermore, who is, you know, very experienced and all of that good stuff. Yeah, but that's about it. Yeah, that, Jake, that's about I don't, it. Yeah, Jake he, Livermore is he, not good. But yeah, okay, whatever, sorry. I, I'm not saying he's good. I'm just saying he's better defensively, maybe. Mm. Connor will probably surpass him in like one year or something. But yeah, um, <laughs> my, my my point is they don't really have a midfielder who can do both things yet, uh, which... Is you know make runs into in, into space going forward and carry this crazy work rate that sees them very useful out of possession as well. So yeah, Gallagher has been starting every game for West Brom. He's been available for ever since, and Bilic has obviously been a huge fan of his. But now Bilic is gone, and Gallagher has actually continued to be their best player. So it's um. It's going to be a strange one. Sam Allardyce coming in and you don't know. How, okay, fine. He's probably going to use a 4-4-2. So you probably know how he's going to set up. But I just, I could see Gallagher playing in a midfield too. But the question is, will he bring someone else in in January? Uh, West Brom are definitely going to do everything they can to stay up. So I do foresee West Brom bringing in another midfielder maybe to play alongside Livermore in that midfield. Uh, probably make it a midfield three with Livermore, Sawyers, and another midfielder or something like that. But there could could possibly be a situation where Sam Allardyce does not use Conor Gallagher as much as Slavin Bilic did. And in this situation, it might be some situation that possibly look at recalling Conor Gallagher and loaning him out elsewhere. So that's, um, that's one thing to keep an eye on. Uh, another short thing for our very, very mini loan roundup is E.K. Ugbo. <laughs> I'm not sure if we talked about him last time because there were... No. Uh, we talked about Braja, but mm. we forgot to talk about E.K. Ugbo. So he probably deserves um, a few words to be spoken on him because he's absolutely been uh, setting alight the Tupelor Pro League A, the Belgian Pro League A, which is the first division in Be- of Belgian professional football. E.K. Uh, Ugbo is playing for Circle Bruges, which is also where Eden Hazard's brother, Killian Hazard, plays. Uh, and Circle Bruges is uh, one of two clubs in Bruges, the other being Club Bruges. And Circle are usually a lower mid-table side in the Belgium, currently managed by Paul Clement, former Chelsea assistant manager under Carlo Ancelotti. And Ogbo has uh, been on fire for Circle Bruges, he's he's scored 40% of their goals. So, you know, they've scored um, 25 goals in total this year. So they're not they're not meant to be a very good team. So they're they are currently uh, indifferent in indifferent form, losing some games, winning some. So they've scored 25 goals. Ugbo has scored 10 of those goals. So yeah, by my calculations, that is 40%, and that is a pretty commendable feat for Ugbo given he scored buckets for the Chelsea development sides and then he went on 
how many different EFL loans? Barnsley, Scunthorpe United, MK Dons. Was there another one? I don't think there was. But three loans. All of these three loans resulted in relegation of those sides. So somehow Chelsea picked three loans destinations for him, which were all completely terrible teams in their divisions at the time, and all got relegated. And Ogbo, as a consequence, hardly had any chances to show what he was worth in all of these three loans. But now he's gone to... I mean, then he went to the second division in the Netherlands, did very well with Roda, scored a lot of goals. But that was the second division. Again, it's probably it's probably equivalent to League Two in England or maybe the upper reaches of the National League. So, you know, to step up from the second division of uh, the Netherlands to the first division of Belgium and to score 10 goals in how many appearances? 10 goals in about 12, 13... T- let's say 15 appearances. I am too lazy to go look it up at this moment. But he has been scoring at a very, very good rate. It's it's actually, it's got to be among the most productive that uh, that non-loan striker has had uh, in a top European division from Chelsea. So let it not go unnoticed that Ike Ugbo is finally flourishing at a very good level and showing us why he scored so many goals for the Chelsea under-23 side. And... Uh, rival Dominic Solanke's obscene goal tallies. So it just, yeah, it just goes to show that sometimes players don't find the the right loan that is going on with Ike Ogba. So while we take notice of Broja in, in the Netherlands, uh, we should all Ogba is doing in that league. So now we're Take a short break, and then we will preview the next Chelsea game. And we're back. Uh, as Ram already said, we will be now previewing the next game against West Ham. Uh, yeah. Uh, difficult one to call, really, because we definitely need a reaction, but we already said that against Wolves. Ram, what can we expect of the team? Do you think we will be able to play differently, or will Lampard set up differently after two games without, of course... Hakim Ziyech showing that this isn't really working. <laughs> hmm, that's a it's a tough one, you know. I mean, last last year he went three four three in so many games, but now it feels as if um, I mean I'm getting the feeling that he's going to play Havertz no matter what. So it comes to are we going to go three four three? Because we have Pulisic available, then it's it's a strange one. You might have to end up playing Havertz on the right or something if we go, if we go three at the back. So I just think I just think that given the situation of injuries and everything at the moment, he's just going to stick with the four-three-three, despite the fact that it hasn't worked in the last two games, and despite the fact that West Ham are going to set up almost exactly the same way as Wolves did. Um, I think Lampard is going to stick with his 4-3-3 shape and try to make it work. Um, hopefully, hopefully uh, Warner, I, I anticipate Warner will still be playing wide uh, because I don't expect uh, Hudson Adoy to be fit. Uh, he was, is he going to be fit? Uh, he no. seemed like, a, no. okay, yeah. He's, so, uh, they, they will both be back if everything goes according to plan, yeah, for the Boxing Day yeah. time. Yeah, Boxing Day against Arsenal. So, 
yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to see Warner on the left or right and Pulisic on the other flank again. It's just a, it's just a matter of is he going to go for Abraham up front? Because I think I feel as if the lineup is going to be unchanged outside of that. It's uh, yeah, as, as strange as that sounds, I just don't know what he's going to change. He's not going to bring Jorginho in. Uh, maybe he might bring Kovacic in. I hope he bring, brings Kovacic in for Havertz. I don't see West Ham being Havertz's game. But yeah, it, it's just it's going to be a tough one. We're going to have to be very wary of how West Ham sets up because it's going to be similar to Wolves and we don't want to be caught out again. So I think Lampard will go for a 4-3-3, but I think it might be a game for Kante Kovacic mount as opposed to Kante uh, mount Havertz. I think Havertz... Uh, I think it, it might be good for Havertz to kind of start on the bench for a couple of games and have to win back his place again, despite mm. COVID and everything. But yeah, that's my that's my two cents on the game. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's this is going to be the main concern. How how can Lampard make things work with the same tools and with the same formation that he had for the last two? games because that's as you already correctly said essentially going to be the case it's going to be a deep lying fully packed opponent's box that we have to somehow break down we're going to have immense troubles with that because we do not have Akim Ziyech at the moment uh, available and also Callum Hudson-Odoi because it's always easier if you have players being able to take on the man on both sides. I think Timo Werner is going to start on the left again. I don't think he's going to change the formation because he said as much in a recent press conference, which I'm okay with to get continuity in, but you have to react as well because, okay, the Everton game didn't work. Let's try it one more time against Wolves. Now it didn't work again. Now he has to change something until we have Hakim Ziyech and Callum hudson die back. So if he were to start with the 4-3-3 again in the same manner with the same players, then whatever happens, negatively speaking now, then it's on him. Because he chooses the players, he chooses the formation. And that famous saying is the definition of insanity is to try the same thing again and again and expect different results. Now, three at the back might work. Uh, because then the attacking band up front is edges closer together, basically. So that might actually suit Havertz, not Hazard, more than being an outright winger. Well, he's an outright winger, but playing in an, an outright winging position. Um, but I, I don't want to see him there at all. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have us try, for example, that diamond formation you were talking about, or revert back to a 4-2-3-1 for that game until we have our numbers back. So that would allow Kai Havertz to play in his favourite position. We would then have a a pivot of Angola Conte and, for example, Mateo Kovacic. And the thing is, what I didn't like about the 4-2-3-1 was that Conte was always going forward and he wasn't playing at what he's best at. So then just let him play in that same role in the 4-2-3-1. He's the deepest-lying midfielder. Mateo Kovacic, Kovacic, in theory, is the one that's great at driving the ball forward. He always shows that again and again. 
So let him do that. It'd be he, let him be the link between defense and Conte and the uh, players further forward. Um, who you then play on the right would actually be easier because then you could play, for example, uh, uh, a Tino Andrew in there. Mm-hmm. It'd be you could play more centrally. Um, you have Tino Vern on the left, which would might. Oh no, we'd have Christian Pulisic as well. Oh yeah, that's. Hmm. Okay, uh, well then Pulisic would have to play on the right and Vern on the left, and but you'd have a, a, a Kai Havertz in the middle, which could be able to make those short passes and have an eye for passes for Tina Werner to go in behind, hopefully, and open up those defences, um, unlock the defences. So play, it doesn't have to play at all like this. Just play to the player's strengths, and change things if they need to be changed. That would be my appeal to Frank Lampard. Don't be rigid. Don't try and say, you know, this is what I've been saying we're doing, so we're going to stick with it and just make it work. Adjust to the opponent for this one game, because West Ham isn't an uber team. They're not been playing exceptional football. They've been dealing with injuries, if I'm not mistaken myself, and with dips of form. Uh, very patchy season as well. So, for God's sake, please adapt just this one instance. And after that, against Arsenal, do whatever it needs to be done again as we try to uh, gain momentum and consistency again. But we need a positive result on Monday to go into this Christmas period with a good feeling. Yeah. So, that's basically what I'm saying. I, I, I don't want to be... Uh, the one to say how we should definitely do it. I just what I said was basically just a, you know, a, a, an example of how it could be done. But I'm not an expert. Point is, something has to be done. That's pretty much my opinion on the West Ham game. And yeah, I don't know. What 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 do you, would you have anything to add to that, or do you agree, disagree? Yeah. I agree. I think it's um, very important that we win this one. I feel as if um, things could easily go downhill if we talk after a couple of weeks, you know, because our fixtures after West Ham are Arsenal, Aston Villa and Man City. And then there's the FA Cup game against Morecambe, of course. But yeah, I think just overall, uh, I mean, Lampard talked about character uh, being a little suspect after the Wolves game, didn't he? And it could just, I could see it going easily all right if we fail to win at West Ham because our opponents are all very difficult in three games after that. And if character is actually an issue, then that might be a pretty concern. So, plus, yeah, it, would, um, it wouldn't be nice going him feeling that we are depending on that game to be a huge pick-me-up and therefore not being able to give youngsters opportunities to make their debuts like Lewis Pate and maybe Henry Lawrence or Libramento or any one of the really promising kids at the moment. So for uh, yeah, for these two reasons, I hope Chelsea win against West Ham because that could, could well um, steer the momentum that we carry into the Christmas period, which is, which is what, um, four games in like 14 days. So yeah. That's that's all of my thoughts, I suppose. And are we uh, are we doing scoreline predictions or 
I'll be scared, scared out of it <laughs> after getting the Everton ones. So horribly wrong. Yeah. Uh, let's just do that. Uh, I'm going to revert back to my pessimistic self and say we're going to draw against West Ham because then I can only be, well, I can be more disappointed. I can always be more disappointed, but I'm not going to say that we're going to lose because I do think that we're going to get some sort of a reaction. And I do think that Everton and West, uh, Wolves are very much above West Ham uh, bracket-wise. So uh, I think we're going to get a draw, which won't help us too much. But then again, Arsenal are currently losing against Southampton. So, yeah, let's hope that <laughs> they just continue in that downward spiral themselves. But yeah, that would be my score prediction. Fair enough. And Brilliant. Li- lineup-wise, anyone's guess. Because if he changes things and chops things up, uh, up who knows? Just had to add that. You, Ram? Um, yeah, I think uh, I think it might just... Uh, as I said, I don't think it'll be uh, very changed from the from the previous lineup because I don't know who he could put in given that we really need to win and that's arguably the strongest lineup we had at the time we have at this time uh, apart from maybe how it's going out because he's just not been playing very well so yeah if I, I actually anticipate how it's going out for Kovacic but yeah that if if there's any change at all then it's going to be that I, right it's either that and maybe Aspilicueta coming in, but I don't think we're going to sacrifice Reese James's crossing ability for the next one. So, yeah, that's uh, I think that's that's the only possible change that I see. It's either the striker and Kovacic, or one of the two. Okay, well then, I think everything's been said that needed to be said. Uh, we have spoken about what went wrong. We have spoken about what we need to do or what we should be doing. And yeah, I think that's enough before the West Ham game. We can only hope that the team gives us a reaction, the right reaction, of course, and that Frank Lampard very much learned from what went wrong and also from his own mistakes. Uh, And yeah, we'll set up appropriately against... Um, well, a West Ham team that's somehow always been a, it could can be a boogie team. So, yeah, we have to be careful and we'll just wait and see. Let's hope that we get a result and then we will hear from each other next week before the Arsenal game. Uh, we have also got a, a episode in the works which will have a special guest from one of the other blogs where it will be a bit different from what you have heard up until now. Be more general about football but we think that will be an exciting prospect it's a very interesting topic and yeah you'll hear more from that in the near future that's all from us for today thanks ram uh for joining as always and yeah let's just hope things improve and as such up the chills keep the blue flag very high and everyone take care bye bye